What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing good. Any problems down where you're at now? Uh, None that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, No bricks, no businesses getting smashed out, none of that stuff? I mean, maybe maybe in the city or something, but... uh, And when I say the city, that's... We call Oklahoma City the city, so... Well, you guys have more than one city. Tulsa and Oklahoma City are kind of the two bigger ones, and but when we say the city, it's usually Oklahoma City because yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, uh, what did you have on your radar this morning? What's what's up? I, no riot stuff. Let's try and, and stay away from that riot stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about Antifa later on this afternoon, uh, which is going to be kind of interesting. We're going to go over some Project Veritas video that they released. Uh, we're going to kind of go through, you know, walk through it and uh, explain it. Essentially, they had infiltrators go into. Antifa and and they came back out and released you know some footage and talked about what was going on in there. So we're going to go over some of that this afternoon. So apart from that, right, and apart from the riots, which we'll get into some of that later on today. What's up this morning? What do you got this morning? Off topic. Well, um, honestly, I'm I'm really concerned with the erasing and deletion of our of our history, and we're seeing this happen real time with them like removing statues and whatnot from different places. Now, some of these statues that are removing, yeah, they were a darker side of our history. The most recent one that they're removing now, we're talking about removing, is a the, the Texas Ranger statue at um, Dallas Love Field Airport. Now, our our current understanding of of the Rangers is um, a little different than what it was in the very beginning of things. Right? They had a darker past, so on and so forth. But this is this is my thing. I, I don't want our history to be deleted or removed. We need to, you know, keep these memorials, keep these statues as a reminder that, hey, look, this was our past. This is where we came from. This is the standard that we had in the past. Now look at us. Now look at how far we've advanced. Now look at how society is viewing people as equals. Look at we're making progress towards our mission statement that all men are created equal, right? And by removing these statues and everything, you're it's just capitulating to the the Marxists. And it, it I'm, I'm really concerned this is going to, you know, they're going to delete a lot of our, our history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's their goal, man. They want to hit D.C. and take all that stuff down. Right. They want George Washington down. They want Jefferson down. Lincoln. I mean, you name it. They want it all gone. All of it. Their goal was to wreck everything. But you know what? We're going to get into some of that this afternoon. I do want to talk about that as well. It's a good point you bring up there. So, yes, we'll talk about that. I also want to talk about what Governor Ralph Northam, you know, uh, Mr. Blackface down there. uh, (laughs) I want to talk about what he's doing with statues in his state that's going to be coming up here soon. And I can already tell you, I mean, I heard last night that there's going to be a protest there about that one. And it's going to be the same people roughly that were down at the state house during the uh, the, the Second Amendment uh, rally that, you know, the 30,000 they had down there for that one. So, uh, yes, we'll get into that uh, in detail later on this afternoon. Bricklaying robots. Yes, we're, we're looking at uh, bricklaying. Uh, apparently, this has now come out, right? We're going to have a new bricklaying robot that's going to replace um, it's going to replace humans, which it's kind of funny because we've been seeing stories about bricks all week. And then now all of a sudden there's a 
there's a bricklaying robot that comes out. I mean, granted, they've been working on this bricklaying robot for quite a while, right? Uh-huh. Uh, what is it? They've been doing this since 2008? Is that what it is? Or is that where uh, it, it looks, triggered and they started uh, looking at I making it? Well, I think that's I think that's what it uh, I think that's about what it was. Yeah. So uh, precipitous drop after 2008 recession. Yeah. So honestly, here's the thing. If, if we could do something like this, like, uh, you know, a large scale 3D printer, if you will. And the, the, the resin they're using is bricks. I mean, sure. Why not? I, I don't see a problem with it. it says here the it, human it, record. Is not, yeah. It says here the human record is 915 bricks per hour. That was set 33 years ago. And the robot can lay. Let me see. It's its goal is to lay 1000 bricks per hour. Right. So this particular Currently, one, it's only 200. Yeah, 200. So I, I think as time moves on with different, you know, advances and, and things like that, different power, different uh, types, because essentially it's just a large servo arm, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, that's what that's what it looks like. It's just uh, I mean, it, it's more or less like the head of a 3D printer is kind of my my perception of it. And or, or even a printer uh, for that matter. If they did something like that and were able to, you know, speed it up to where it is a thousand bricks per hour, I mean, maybe this would be a cost effective way to, to lay brick. But the, the main the main thing I see right off the bat is, um, number one, these are cinder blocks. And it, it's not like full the full cinder blocks, you know, it's the half cinder block, just the concrete block. Right, right. And it's putting no concrete or mortar or anything in between each brick. It's just laying the bricks. So, you know, that, yeah. that's kind of a... You're going to have to have a way to, you know, spread the mortar. Yeah, you're going to have to have a way to, like, spread the mortar and, you know, properly center it. And then when you lay it, you got to, I mean, typically, I mean, I've seen, you know, brick masons work and they put the mortar on, they lay the brick, make sure it's set, and then they tamp it with the, um, with the trowel, right? And then they, Mm -hmm. you know, scrape off the sides and then run, make the line and then, yeah, they move on. So this thing doesn't do any of that. If you're looking at 200 bricks per hour now and you want to get up to a thousand bricks per hour, well, the human record is 915 bricks per hour, but that's probably not, or or, or is that set, are, are those like bricks that are set? Like somebody built a wall and that's the amount of time it took to do the entire thing. You know, mortar, trial, tamp, all that stuff. Uh, let's find out. He was 25 years old at the time. Okay, it looks like from what I'm seeing, he just laid the bricks. It wasn't actually using mortar or anything. They just laid it. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Big difference there. Big difference there. I mean, even so, if you're going to have a robot out there laying bricks, you got to have it laying right. A lot of work to do there. But anyway, I guess nonetheless, the precedent's been set, right? Precedent's been set. And honestly, if they were doing cinder blocks, right, you don't necessarily need them to do the mortar and everything for for setting cinder blocks because you fill the cinder block with uh, concrete so or cement. So I, I don't I don't really... I don't really know what their intention is there. Do you remember uh, yesterday I talked about a pickle? Someone being assaulted with a pickle. I do, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, apparently apparently this is a, becoming a trend now because down in Florida, it looks like someone was assaulted with uh, with a hamburger. No, what, was it not Hamburglar? I, yeah, it's a nice McDonald's reference. Here. <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't even like I understand that society is degenerating, but we're assaulting people with food now. Like these are assault charges. It's just crazy. So according, listen to this, right? According to police, uh, Tanya Cordero, right, 47, she was arrested Monday evening following a confrontation with her boyfriend in a Largo mobile home owned by the man's mother. Confrontation between Cordero and her boyfriend was reportedly touched off when Cordero, seen at the right, right, she, of course, they got a picture up here. She's a real prize, by the way, became upset when the man closed a window in her room. 
So investigators allege that Cordero smashed a hamburger in his face. When questioned by police, she denied doing so, but her boyfriend still had a hamburger in his ear upon arrival. And Cordero made a comment that she'd hoped he choked on the burger. So she was charged with domestic battery, which is a misdemeanor. Uh, she was later released in county jail on her own recognizance. A judge ordered to have or to have no contact with the victim over a hamburger. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. To, to this type of behavior, man. This is just like we're assaulting people with food. It's, it's just it's getting stupid. And people, well, worse yet, people are filing assault charges because of something like that. I mean, would you file an assault charge on somebody if somebody hit you with a hamburger? Well, it sounds like it wasn't just like hit with the hamburger. It was like she had the hamburger in hand when she smashed her hand into his face. So it, it kind of sounds like um, a little more than just, you know, hitting him with a hamburger. But I don't know. It, it looks like they've had a long like disagreement or, or issue with domestic violence because they don't even have custody of their kids. So I don't know. I guess it depends on the scenario. Yeah. And I'd be honest with you. I mean, this looks like a case that you'd see on like cops on Monday night at 8 p.m. or something. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> it's what it is. You know, people, yeah. people look at that. Like, I mean, I, I've been out there. I can tell you that's how it is. Right. You watch cops. I mean, that's reality. That is reality. I can tell you that for a fact. I mean, I've been out there and People like over here where I'm at or where I show when I show people that they're like, man, th these kinds of people like they don't exist over here. Right. I mean, that kind of stuff just just doesn't go on. And the police certainly don't behave like that either. So it's just <laughs> like two, two different two different things. Right. Two, two completely different cultures. So anyway, Yellowstone. Right. We got some uh, we got some earthquakes at Yellowstone. Pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, my understanding is those earthquakes happen regularly and it's it's more or less the excess stress is being alleviated. So if those weren't happening on a regular basis, then that would be cause for concern. Uh, that's that's my understanding of it. So what you're saying is, is if Yellowstone went completely quiet, all the mm -hmm. geysers stopped blowing, all the earthquakes mm -hmm. stopped, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. That means pressure's building and um, you, you, you might want to be moving to the eastern side of the country at that point. I don't think that'll save you. I, I don't think that'll save you. If that thing blows, Yellowstone, right? That The largest super volcano, I think it is in the world, right? Is that where it is? Saying it's a super volcano is a little, I don't know, deceptive maybe? Because I've seen Well, uh, I mean, I'm just quoting what it's saying it, here. And they, I, I'm just quoting, I, I, quoting I what it's saying. Uh, I, but what I'm saying is, is, is I've watched documentaries and they say the same thing. It's a super volcano. But when you look at what uh, Yellowstone really is, it's just a giant magma pool. That's that's under under the ground. It's not a volcano in the sense of like it continually erupts. It's just, you know, it's a it's a big magma cavern pool, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I, maybe I guess I guess you could say it's a volcano, but it, it's not erupted that we're aware of. They say it's erupted well, like 250,000 years ago, but we don't know. Yes. I mean, that's speculation. Yeah. Well, and I've seen that speculation, too, where they kind of show. Like the um, they, they do like the graphs and all that stuff and they show where it's uh, they do it based on the what is it like the terrain, you know, like the mountain range and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. they, they do it mm -hmm. based on that. And I've heard I've heard this. I've heard that according to the scientists and geologists and everybody that, that do that research, when they're interviewed about it, they say that the entire region out there is about 20,000 years overdue for an eruption. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if if that's just a, a theory or 
if that's actual fact. I mean, that that's the thing about science, right? It's an ever evolving thing and it's always changing because new things are always discovered and you know, new theories are formed and new precedents are set and new discoveries are made, you know, all that stuff. So the process repeats all over again when someone else reviews and then tries to debunk that theory and then re re-research, I guess, and then try and put another theory out there. You know, it's just it's an it's an ongoing thing. So skepticism in science is paramount because if you're yeah. not a skeptic, then you're not a scientist, right? I mean, I'm not a scientist myself, right? I'm far from it, but I know that science is ever changing. Science is never absolute, right? This is why we look at the people that push, uh, example, man-made climate change. They say, well, it's, the science is settled. The science is never settled, never. Yeah. So when it's this, I mean, I don't take any, if they come out and say, well, the science is settled on this. Well, it, it's never settled. So is it 20,000 years? Is it 10,000? Is it 12,000? Is it two weeks? We don't know. So it's just, yeah, take it for what it is, I guess. But if this thing blows, riots in the streets are going to be the least of your problems, right? A, a coronavirus is going to be the least of your problems, I can assure you. So that thing right there, that's, I don't necessarily know if it's a quote, uh, world killer, but it would certainly change things like and I'm talking through the whole ecosystem and, and all of it. So, I mean, you talk about an ash cloud uh, that that would certainly be it. Yeah, it'd be a short term temporary ice age, basically, because of the ash cloud, theoretically speaking. Um, they Some of the reports I'd seen, there would be ash. I forget how much ash, maybe like half an inch or something like that, all the way out to my area. But when you go further east, the, the ash cloud or the, the the layer of ash that would be on the ground is is much thinner. No, no, they can uh, I, just keep having your little mini quakes out there and and keep things as normal, right? We don't need any more of that. Speaking of things that are out of control and, and an act of God, I guess these poor people in New Orleans are going to get hit again. So now I don't know if it's necessarily it's not going to be that bad. At least they're not predicting that right now. So that thing is expected to be off the coast by one o'clock this afternoon today. Is that right? Of Mexico. It's expected to start heading north. Uh, yeah, I think it's supposed to actually make landfall in the U.S. on Monday, I think is the last projection I've heard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that's still the same projection. Tropical Storm Cristobal, I think is you know what it's called here, um, says that it's expected to make landfall on 7 p.m. or right around 7 p.m. Uh, on yeah, Sunday. 7 PM. Yeah. yeah, 7 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, and that is that's saying that it's going to remain a, uh, a tropical storm. It's expected to remain a tropical storm all the way up and through there. So uh, that's it's going to hit down there. But if that turns into a hurricane, I mean, oh, man, what are the um, what are the qualifications for this thing to be a hurricane? I, I don't even know. Like what I understand, like the winds have to increase. Rainfall has to increase. So what does this have to turn into in order for this to, to be a hurricane? Because it's, it's still kind of quasi over land at the moment. So if it goes north and hits the warm water of the Gulf, I mean, that's going to be like fuel to a fire. And that thing's just going to charge up, which is what we saw with Katrina. So the actual winds to classify it as a hurricane is, let's see here. So it needs sustained winds of at least 73 miles per hour and above or, or above that. So that's that's the baseline requirement. Okay. And currently it was saying, what was it, 30? Like it's it's right at the, the edge of being a tropical storm. Right. So but like I said, it's still kind of quasi over land at the moment. It hasn't actually moved out into the Gulf yet. So Right, right. Going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. So, I mean, if that if that charges up, man, and that hits that area down there again, I mean, that's just going to be that's going to be terrible. So we don't need that right now. No, it, it definitely don't need that, man. I mean, it's just coming out of the uh, coronavirus stuff, the lockdowns, 
I mean, businesses are riots. barely opening up. They don't have any Looting. money. Then we well, get the riots. Up, and they, if they're opening up, they're getting firebombed. Yeah, exactly. And so these businesses are already at a loss. And then you have the people that are doing the riots saying, oh, well, these businesses have insurance. But what happens when the insurance money runs out? I mean, what was it? Uh, was it 24 million or 48 million was the estimate in Minnesota alone? Uh, I can't um, remember off the top of my head. It was. I hate throwing a number out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I it was in the tens of millions. So it was, it was pretty bad. And you know what? I can only imagine what that damage number is going to be like in New York when all this calms down. So that's. Uh, that's I mean, if big. it calms down. Yeah, if we, it calms we down. Kinda, I, don't, I don't expect it to. Uh, and not anytime soon. I don't expect it to. I, I, expect, I expect an escalation at some point. And you and I talked about that offline as to what I think mm-hmm. might be coming next, mm-hmm. because that just it, it would it would fit for an escalation. Mm-hmm. So they're they're at the point now where I heard it described once as this, and this is precisely what it is. It's it's nudge, push, shoot. Okay, mm-hmm. they're they're pushing now. They're they're at this point. They're they're pushing. So th- this is where they're at. Their next step. I just said it. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Anyway, moving right along. So Trump has decided to reduce the number of troops in Germany. You know, this is kind of long overdue. I, I'm, I'm kind of I mean, we should have had a drawdown like 30 years ago when the Soviet Union collapsed. That should have been our drawdown. We needed another enemy to fight. So they conjured up what? After about seven or eight years, they conjured up radical Islam, took us to war in the Middle East. What Germany do served as a jumping off point. So mm-hmm. this was all part of the uh, the geopolitical strategy by guys like Zbigniew Brzezinski, right, who believe that if you can control the Eurasian landmass, you can control the world. Right. But his theory was flawed. Right. I read his book, though. He made good points. He, he made good references in there. But uh, nonetheless, the theory itself was flawed. It, it just doesn't it doesn't play. This kind of thing should have happened 30 years ago. Th- this kind of drawdown never should have been that high. We need to be pulling the troops out of well, pretty much everywhere because we just don't have the money to do this anymore. We, we just can't afford it, if nothing else. So if you want to secure, I mean, I've been saying this for a long time. Uh, if you want to secure the border, put the military down there. What are they for? What what in the world are they for? Put them down there. Pull them out of Germany completely, right? Not, not a little bit, completely. So uh, Trump's move is going to reduce the number of troop presence in Germany by 9,500. So right now we've got... Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood. Okay, we've got right now. We've got about thirty-four thousand five hundred troops that are permanently assigned here. So, I mean, this is this is probably the largest garrison outside of the United States we actually have. They can raise that number at any point in time up to a maximum of fifty-two thousand troops in Germany at any point in time. But they're going to draw that number down and they're going to cap it at twenty-five thousand. So they're going to slowly start working that number down. What are your thoughts on that? What, what do you think about that? Uh, pulling our troops back like that. So I'm okay with having bases around the world, like to for staging areas or whatnot for, especially when we have allies and we have treaties with these allies that mm-hmm. uh, basically says if they're in trouble, we'll come and help. Right. So in those scenarios, yeah, I think we should have uh, some kind of military presence there just as a, you know, if our allies need it, we've got a place to land our troops. Good faith um, but, is what you're saying. Right. Right. But keeping a large amount of troops there year round, uh, there's no you just you 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 just need enough troops there to to maintain the facility and run it right, and maybe some extra on mm-hmm. on staff or like security and that kind of thing. But other than that, like I I don't really know why we need all the troops over there. I mean, we could utilize them as you said on the border, which right. you know some aren't going to agree with. But 
nonetheless, I, I think that would be a better use for the military at this point, especially in the middle of a pandemic, which supposedly is still going on, uh, though you wouldn't know it if you watch the news. And uh, the possibility of, of people pushing the border, uh, trying to get across illegally um, because their own country doesn't have the medical system to, um, you know, help with this. I think, to be honest with you, I think 25,000 is more than sufficient at this point in time. Like I said, we're using the numbers based here. The, like, we're using the garrison we have here based on an old strategy, right? That strategy is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's no right. point. You know, I've been saying that for a long time. We do have logistical services and things like that. And, and there are different things that uh, that are done here. The largest U.S. military hospital outside of the United States, uh, the largest one in Europe, is actually here. It's only about 20 miles from me. And of course, everybody knows the famous Ramstein Air Force Base. Yeah, everybody knows that one. That's that's mm-hmm, a very large. Mm-hmm. I think they even have a Walmart down there. So it's um, you know, it's a it's a big it's a big thing. So I can see strategically, as you said, keeping those particular aspects of it. You know, the the military hospital, the Air Force Base, that kind of stuff. Big large bases like this, like uh, the hospital, that's up in Wiesbaden, and then you've got Ramstein, of course, is down in in Ramstein, Germany. But the the idea here is not only do you keep the large ones open, but you can also form like a logistical supply line and, and support through all those. And you can use them as a staging point here. I mean, it's Germany's a good strategic position to be in, right? It, it's a good strategic pl- uh, place to be. But I mean, the other thing, I mean, there, there was another strategy behind all this. Uh, and that was, you know, if you go back 100 years, the Germans tried to take over the world twice in 50 years. They tried to do that. And so we just kind of at the time, you know, our strategy was different. We were essentially, um, shall we say, an engine for peacekeeping back then. And now it's just turned into this uh, whatever, you know, this this <laughs> this nightmare. But um, yeah, it, it was a situation where we we kind of had to stay. And I, I understand that it's controversial, but in, in the sense of we had to stay for two reasons. One, the Germans tried to take over the world twice in 50 years. We can't let you do that. Right. But Again, this was the problem. If we stepped in and did that, right? If, if we stepped in and said, okay, you're not going to be allowed to do this. Well, that, that, see, this is where the policy went wrong. We had people in charge that pushed a policy that put us in that position instead. And that wasn't the right thing to do, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, kind of makes sense. We can, like That's pretty hypocritical, in my opinion, because you can't tell one people, okay, you can't do this. But we're going to step in and we're going to make sure that you don't do that again. And then we're going to do it ourselves. You, you just you can't yeah. do that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But anyway, so anything else you got this morning? Uh, no, I think the, the rest is left is riots. <laughs> riots, uh, monuments, and Antifa. Mm. Right? We're going we're gonna to talk about that this afternoon. So thank you for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.